your host for Lacrosse Talk PM, Rick Sola. All right, welcome to a Monday of Lacrosse Talk PM. I am Rick Solom. Let me, I got to hit that button. I got the delay in my head. All right. Now I'm good. Brad Pass sitting in the studio hey, with Rick. me. He is the Wisconsin State Senator, Democratic State Senator in District 32. That's right? correct. Okay. Let's get that right every time. I'm down, I have it down now after how many years? You're all good. You're oh, all internet, good. Brad, my internet isn't working. I'm Uh-oh. trying to get the text line up and it's just wait for page or delete. We'll Uh-oh. see. All right, so, well, we'll see if the text line is working. We're having some internet incapabilities, but I wanted to talk to you. It's Oktoberfest week. Mm-hmm. Sure is. Are you a big Oktoberfest guy, or you got a big, I don't know, like, is this thing something that you... Well, it is. You've it, grown up in the area, yes. so... No, it is something, it's a 60th year, it's my understanding, and um, it's exciting. Uh, obviously, the community comes together. We like to tell the story of the Cooley region, obviously the German heritage in this area, as well as uh, brewing some high-quality beer. Old style is coming back to lacrosse. Welcome home. Uh, it should have never left, but I'm glad it's coming home. We rewrapped the six-pack, and uh, it'll be a nice fest- festival. And, uh, again, I encourage people to be safe and uh, get out and enjoy and say hi to friends and enjoy uh, the outdoors as much as we can because as nice as the uh, weather is right now, we know what's coming. Now, aside from Germany, I think lacrosse has maybe the second biggest Oktoberfest in the world. It does. Uh, maybe not. Yeah. Um, but but uh, we have we have two parades. I think at one time we might have had three parades. I was trying to ask Brad. And we're going to talk about the history of Oktoberfest sure. tomorrow. But I, I wanted to bring this up when because all you politicians got to do all the parades. Right. I think when when Jim Hagedorn was my U.S. House rep, right. so I was following him quite a bit before he passed away of cancer uh, last year. But everything he didn't post anything on his like uh, you because you all have two right. You all have two f- social media. You right. have a, you have your campaign your official, and then the official your official senate page and your campaign page but all of his campaign page was you know blasting the president whether while well, blast you know pumping up the president when it was his president and, and vice versa and then parade pictures right. look at me at the parade and it's like right. the easiest thing but do you have any and i get like parades are great and you love them but do you have any like odd stories from parades where you know, this person, because there's going to be people in the crowd that actually don't like you, but you don't oh, yeah. know who those people are. Until, I don't know. Do you get heckled at parades? What's it like from the negative side of things? Because in the media, we don't want to talk positive. Well, I'll tell you. I mean, parades are great. They're the greatest focus group that you're going to get because it's instantaneous. It's right then, it's right there, and it's in that giving community. And, uh, you know, I have had uh, positive and negative from the only from uh, husband and wives sitting right there oh, yeah. at the uh, at the parade, where you know a, a particular the the wife is clapping for me and the uh, husband is uh, giving me a thumbs down. Um, <laughs> I've had situations where you know I've had you know people come out in the middle of the street and shake my hand and say thank you very much, and then I go uh, a few uh, steps ahead and I've got you know people that are you know really saying you know Pap get out of here. We're not interested. Do you get and, nervous when someone runs out into yeah. the parade route? You're like, oh, jeez, what's going to, you know. It's always know. interesting. I like it. I mean, I'll tell you, I like it. I mean, it, it, with a job like this, you've got to have thick skin. And at the same time, I like people. And, um, you know, this is a democracy. It isn't easy. And I think that we do need to be more civil towards one another. But I, 
at the same time, I think it's important that our elected officials are out in public with the people. So I would always uh, encourage that, uh, you know, is like the politician or dislike the politician. I think it's good for democracy and good for the area that we have politicians that attend parades or you're, attend you're county burning, fairs. You're burning my second follow-up yeah. question here because you know what it is already. Right. But um, the, the only thing wrong with – well, the thing with politicians at parades, A, like the, the parades are kind of about the kids. Kids don't know who right. you are. And, right. that, and that's fine. That's whatever. right. There's a guy in a – you know, unless you're driving – Brad, what you got to do is well, – did you get that ranchero yet? I don't gotta, have my – got to drive want, the ranchero in the parade or I the El Camino. That. You know I want a ranchero. <laughs> that's, that's when I would be like, you know what? The politician – if the politician brings a classic car or a tractor into right. the parade – in fact, you're the farm guy. You I should don't. be driving a John Deere through the parade. Well, I've had people tell me that. The thing is, is the tractor, you know, once you're in the parade, it's great, but it's getting that tractor to the parade. And, of course, you know, I've got over 20 parades a year. But, uh, yes, I agree. I think it's important that um, the, people, the politicians are in communities and uh, they are accessible. That's what I will say. Now, you know, you know how John Madden had the Madden bus? Right. Because he, he didn't fly, and this is like right. a little off. Uh, but what if Brad Paff had, like, the – the path tractor I, well, and it toured around with you. We've had, and it's interesting you bring this up because I've got supporters. I've got farm supporters and rural supporters throughout the district, and I've had people tell me, you know, Brett, we'll just use, you know, the local tractor. You know, one of my local supporters will use a local tractor. Yeah. And, and um, it would be know, funny if you rode around, yeah, around drive around in the tractor, yeah. a little lawnmower. And, and I've thought about it. I really have. It's a good. It's a good topic. Uh, the thing is, is that then I'm up on the tractor and I'm not, you know, walking and shaking some hands. But uh, I agree, and I agree. No, you and you may get, see me. You get on year. a lawnmower. We could get do a garden tractor. We could do you the look, lawnmower. You would look a little sillier, we but could, still, like, I mean, that's could, kind of yeah, what it's about yeah, to be silly do that. in a parade. Yeah, exactly. No, we could do that. Okay. The other, the other half of this, this parade talk is in Middleton last year, and I don't. I don't know if they did it or not, but they they voted. They're like city council or maybe the county, whatever. Middle the town, the city of Middleton. They voted to ban politicians from parades because they're just like. I mean, unless you are riding on a tractor or driving something that makes the parade. If it's just you walking, I'm sorry, Brad. That's not like I know you could give out the best candy of the world. It's, it's still just... not quite the same as somebody playing an instrument like a band or or something. Right. Uh, but what do you think of that? Like communities banning politicians? Yeah, and you, you know, I, you and I talked about that earlier. I'm not a big fan of it. It's not that, you know, I, I'm I'm of this opinion. Uh, we need to make sure that you know our local elected officials are accessible. They are there. They recognize what's going on in the giving community. I was in Gaze Mills yesterday, walking in a parade. The thing is, is that I think it's important that. Elected officials are in a community where people live and where people, you know, send their kids to school and they, where they work, and uh, they need to experience what's going on. Now, having said that, um, you know, I can also understand the concerns that, uh, you know, uh, parade officials would have if, uh, you know, in today's politics, it, it's a pretty uh, rough and tumble uh, enterprise right now. And, um, you know, it, it captures a lot of people's emotions and different thoughts. So, you're also not really breaking down uh, what you guys are doing in a parade, right? No. You're shaking hands and you're gone. That's exactly uh, As opposed to like a town hall or something like that. that where you have yeah. like a, a campaign stop where people uh, can come and literally that, like ask you stuff. That's exactly right. No, I, I agree with that comment. I think it's, it's this, important that the elected officials get out and do town hall meetings and actually meet. And, yeah. uh, and this gets to the other half of this is not banning politicians for parades, but banning politicians from like fairs, state fairs, mm -hmm. county fairs. I remember seeing a booth. 
at the Minnesota State Fair where it was just, it wasn't like vote for me, but it was like anti the other guy. Mm-hmm. And it was very negative. And I was like, mm-hmm. that doesn't need to happen. At a and state it doesn't fair. need to be at a fair. I, I agree with that. I mean, I think fairs are a little different than um I like, I like the idea of you being at a fair because people then can come and talk to you yeah. at that point. They don't have to if they mm-hmm. don't want to, but they can. Right. But also, if it's going to be like a negative booth where you've got like, you know, what the Brandon signs or whatever. Yeah, and I don't think weird. we need that that kind of stuff. I mean, I, I go to the county fairs and I walk around and I shake hands. I don't, I'll be honest with you, I don't uh, work the, a booth because yeah. I, I just think that it's more important to get out and see the 4-H kids and the, uh, you know, the cattle that they're showing and, uh, you know, talk to some of the, you know, parents that are taking their kids to the fair, that kind of stuff. I like that. But, yeah, as far as this uh, negativity, and there's so much negativity um, that's taking place, and I can see where it's, um, people are like, please, enough. We don't need it anymore. 608-785-7914 is the text line. I'm going to see if this opens. Um, we're going to talk to Brad Paffy at a, a news conference in town today about capping insulin payments. Insulin. I want to talk about that. I got. I want to ask you about the Brewers, and uh, uh, we're impeaching everybody. Apparently, uh, not you, but uh, Republicans in your Senate are trying to impeach people. I think, and then uh, yeah, and beyond that, like we'll see what other things we can just. I call it playing the hits at this point because there we, we just keep talking about this. But we'll be back in a minute. You bet. So Brad Paff is running. For state senate in Wisconsin, <laughs> and from now on, when he comes out to do campaign events, he's going to come out to this song, mm, "Quiet Riot." Quiet Riot, bang your head, yep. because this is what it feels like. I would imagine <laughs> to be a Democrat in the state senate right now. Oh, it's it's. I'll tell you, I'm a I'm a child of the '80s, and so I like uh, some good classic rock. And you have to bang your head against the wall <laughs> at the Capitol because no, I don't know. I don't know. If this is true. This is kind of. I wanted to talk about this because as this the. Okay, so I had Doyle on last week, a story that's been kind of going Rick viral on, on social media, like Wisdom viral versus, you know, maybe New York Times viral or something mm-hmm. like that. But uh, Doyle talked about uh, having COVID and having to come out of his office to vote down a, a vote down some legislation that would have been veto overrides because the Assembly would have had a supermajority had Doyle not been there. Uh, Senate, there's a supermajority in the Senate. In the Senate so you're right. deemed useless, kind of, as a Democrat in the Senate because they don't need you. But do they need you? Well, um, do they need they, you? They, they do. I mean, you know, let's face it here. I mean, this whole this is this is what I get at. Bang yeah. your you bang your head against yeah. the the wall because I mean, you can't do anything. But like, is that true? It doesn't. It, I, somebody told me that they they might need you for the Brewers funding. Yeah, yeah. I will say this. I mean, we can talk about quiet riot and bang your head, but I'll tell you, <laughs> my real legislative philosophy is Kenny Rogers, the gambler. You got to know when to hold them and know when to fold them and. No one to walk away and no one to run, but never count your money when you're sitting at the table. Okay. Um, because I spring that up for the simple reason that the legislative majority uh, is built on a gerrymandered map, and it's not sustainable. It, it's not there for the long term. And we are eventually going to get to a process, Rick, in which we are going to have bipartisan legislation, and we are going to make sure that uh, the voices of all the people get an opportunity to be heard. And, uh, yeah, I mean, my, my voice and my vote is definitely needed uh, when it comes to legislation on tax reform, um, the, uh, definitely needed when it comes to transportation, and it, it more than likely may be needed when it comes to when we talk about, uh, you know, the Brewer Stadium or other type of infrastructure. 
But, um, you know, I could say this, is that uh, what's happening, what's happened over the last 15 years in the Wisconsin State Legislature has not served the people in this state particularly well because it's such a gerrymandered state. And it's not, it's not how this state is, but that is how the legislative majority decided they were going to build their majority. And uh, it has cut a lot of people off. And it's it has uh, discouraged a lot of people, but the thing is, I firmly believe that you know you gotta you gotta play the long game here, and uh, and uh, we're gonna be okay. So you're not going all in? Uh, no, I'm just kidding. No, uh, yeah, we have a lot of, and we've talked about this maybe too much, but then again, not enough, I think, because it still lingers. We have like four or five different things that are happening, but all because of one thing: the gerrymander match. Right. We have the the talk about impeaching Janet Protasewicz. Yeah. We have we, we we've now. Where is the Senate on impeaching Megan Wolf, the Wisconsin Election Commission administrator? Have we impeached her? Are no, we talking about it? No. So, I mean, it's interesting because all of this, all of this, from the talk about impeaching a duly elected state Supreme Court justice to removing a nonpartisan election administrator is a result of the fact that the majority party, which is built on gerrymandered maps, was, wants to do everything they can uh, to protect their power. Well, and, then, and those maps tilt... Things to the extreme. So to the, the extreme. In Illinois and um, there's another state, nah, Maryland's to the right. There's another state out east. The, the extremes are to the left. Yeah. So these same policies are happening in Illinois to the left. Here in Wisconsin, they keep tilting to the right. The gerrymander maps make things like impeachment more of a conversation yeah. where if we didn't have these maps gerrymandered we wouldn't be considering yeah we shouldn't even be considering this to begin with because if you look at the makeup of the wisconsin state supreme court right now the thing is is that uh you know these these are individuals that are duly elected and um now all of a sudden that an election didn't go a particular way they were talking about impeaching uh someone who before they've even taken a vote i i don't understand this i think it's I know what it is. It's, what it's, do you think of the reasonings for it? Because A, she took $10 million from the Democratic Party of Wisconsin, and B, she said rig during a uh, primary, not even during the, the actual debate with the conservative, but during a primary with other progressive just, justices. Uh, I feel like we've, we've kind of squashed those with there's, there's no rules in the state Supreme Court about some of this stuff. So I don't know. What's your take? Well, I will say this, and I, I am, first of all, I want to be clear. I am not an attorney. Uh, but I will say the following things. The uh, United States Supreme Court, the Roberts Court, came out with a ruling, I believe in 2015, which spoke about um, the fact that candidates that run for office have the right in order to uh, share their personal political perspective. So mm-hmm. uh, she made a comment in regards to you know, rig- rigged maps. That's how she saw it. I also know that the First Amendment talks about the right to free speech. She uh, shared her her thoughts on that. In regards to um, the uh, campaign contributions, if you look at the majority on the state Supreme Court right now, uh, they have received political contributions from a variety of different actors. Right, right. And uh, so... All of a sudden, to point out and say that this particular justice um, is any different than the others that are on there, right. I scratch well, my head and say, "Really? That's and those, not the case." And those conservatives on the Supreme Court and the the, the liberals on the state Supreme Court have also said things out they, loud they about things they voted on they ha- and or know, things they right. plan to vote on. Right, right. And so, uh, 
Yeah, I think this is obviously, this is very transparent. This is very obvious what the Speaker of the Assembly and um, the individuals that want to protect the power that they currently have and have had for the last uh, 15 years, they want to keep it in place. Does the Senate and the Assembly have to come together to make rules for the Supreme Court? Because in 2010, Michael Gamelman voted down uh, recusal rules. That mm-hmm. he was the, That's exactly right. They had recusal rules. It was going to pass. Michael Gamelman got elected. It's just uh, the irony of it being Michael mm-hmm. Gamelman. And he voted down the recusal rules in 2010. So there are no rules. Is that up to you guys to make these rules? Well, this is, first of all, we're unprecedented here. There has only been one Wisconsin State Supreme Court justice in our state's 175-year history that has been impeached. And that took place in 1858. And that was, a, I think, a bribery charge. And that was quickly, the individual was impeached in the assembly. And he, uh, uh, you know, was, uh, that impeachment was approved um, by the Senate. And he doing, was removed within months. As a state, we're doing a lot of things out of 1800s. Um, yeah. Uh, abortion <laughs> abortion and laws. And, and, and I think it's because of the fact that, again, it's, it's, it's desperation to protect power. Yeah. And I, I will say this, Rick, I think it is important that elected officials get out and see and hear from the voters. But if you're going to protect yourself and isolate yourself into a very gerrymandered, protected district where you, you don't have to listen to the broad opinion of the voters, uh, it leads to situations like this. But this is very serious. Uh, this is not where we should be. And what I like to say, Rick, is isn't it sad that we continue to look backwards? We're talking about removing a Supreme Court justice because they want to protect the political power. They're talking about removing a state elections commissioner, a nonpartisan election commissioner, because the November 2020 election did not go a particular way. Yeah. Uh, shouldn't we be looking well, forward rather than backwards? And I didn't even bring up the like redistricting map plan right. that that was unveiled, uh, you know, and, and forced a vote in 48 hours without any public hearing. With no public hearing. So I mean, there's just too much. Um, but Joe's calling in. I want to get Joe on here before we go to break. Joe, you're on with Brad, State Senator Brad Paff. Go ahead. Hi, Joe. Hey, Brad. Uh, quick question. Do you know any of the nailed down details on what Wisconsin farmers are getting? Uh, for you know incentives to turn over their farmland to these solar fields, like I'm sure that you know some mm-hmm. of the outline of the program. Mm-hmm. Or what what are they getting? What's what's going on? What are some of the hard facts? Well, that's a good question, Joe. And I'll tell you, it will depend upon where the land is located. Is this a federal thing? No, this is oh, state. This is state. So, okay. uh, what is happening? Joe brings up a good point. So there is a dis- can we can we pause that? Sure, because I got to go to break. You and, bet. And then so, we'll talk about it, Joe, when we come back. Giant tees there. Giant tees. We're going to talk about uh, solar farms on farmland. All right, welcome back to Lacrosse Talk PM. 608-785-7914 is the talk and text line. State Senator Brad Paff's in studio requesting, he's making, these are his requested songs. <laughs> uh, what, a couple days after officially yeah. it's fall, yeah. you got to do a little reminiscing of summer. I like Don Henley. I like the boys of summer. It's a good song. Paff doesn't care what we talk about, and he's like, whatever you want to talk about, whatever you want to talk about. That's how that's how we show prep just, a little bit, like the two minutes that we have before the yeah, show. Uh, whatever. Uh, but you do come in with a, a musical agenda, and that's all you care about. You're yeah. like, ask me whatever you want, just as long as can we play, what do you think? Can we play Guns N' Roses? Can we play Don Henley? <laughs> ACDC. We, we've got, what was the first, oh, Bang Your Head, you yeah, wanted that yeah, one. Quiet Riot. Maybe you could come out. 
Uh, maybe when you do campaign stuff, <laughs> will you come out to speeches? Like baseball players yeah. come out to music. Yeah. I mean, Trump gets in trouble for some of yeah. this because he comes out to music and those musicians yeah. don't like him. Right. And then they do the cease and desist. Do you think Quiet Riot will cease and desist Brad <laughs> Paff using bang your head at a campaign I stop? I hope not. I do like Quiet Riot. I don't know. I do like, uh, as I said, I was in high school in the 80s, so I like my uh, classic rock and my classic country. All right, so before before we uh, went to break, Joe had called in and asked about some is this legislation or is this like an incentive program that the 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 the, the state legislature created for what farms to rent their farmland for solar? Mm-hmm. Is that do I have that right? Mm-hmm. You do have it right, Rick. No, so it's not the state legislature has no incentive, but under the Inflation Reduction Act that was passed by Congress and signed into law by President Biden, there's a real move towards a renewable energy. And, of course, you have to generate that renewable energy somehow in some place. And, of course, there's a real interest in, in solar. And, um, of course, you know, solar, you can capture it, obviously, from the sun. And you can do it on, you know, buildings and on homes. But you can also then uh, have a solar farm. And uh, there is some that's taking place in the state of Wisconsin here where it's on, you know, 20, 30, 40, 50 acres at least where the electric utility is reaching out and contacting the particular landowner and setting up a, a very long rental process, not purchasing the land, but renting it for, you know, hundreds of dollars an acre. It can be, you know, six, seven, eight hundred dollars an acre, depending upon where this land is located. It needs to be located. How city it is, right? Yeah, yeah, and it needs to be located close to oh, a, so, yeah, uh, you know, the, uh, sub, you know, some type of, uh, you know, utility and, of course, the transmission lines. And so there is, there's that effort that's taking place. Um, but it is something that we as a state need to take a look at. I know farmers in the agriculture community, uh, they're mixed on this because they hate to see good farmland come out of production. And at the same time, uh, if if a utility is paying, you know, over five, six hundred dollars well, an capitalism, acre, capitalism, right? Right. But if they're paying that much for rental rates, well, you know that maybe the next farm's rental rate will go up even more, and it's you know just cost of production. So it's something we we're all looking at. I know Michigan State, the state of Michigan, has figured out how to uh, elevate the um, solar panels so you can actually do some farming underneath these solar panels like grazing of cattle uh, mm-hmm. or sheep um you know something like that just so it continues to stay in production and at the same time uh can uh, help as far as the renewable energy and uh, making our electric grid um you know a little bit more renewable and balanced well this is where we would ask you know some engineers to come up right. with some in june in, in uh, i can't say the word uh the, the, some some process where you can a have the solar panels, but e, b also grow things. Right. Uh, that, I made the joke d- during the break. You know, just have cucumbers climb up the side because. Well, and it's a fair comment because, and the thing is, is uh, our University of Wisconsin Extension is actually doing research on this, as is Michigan State and others. And because I've been looking at it, because uh, there is a real movement to have uh, solar energy, um, you know, out in the countryside. And um, having said that, what what is that going to do for production agriculture? 
And, um, you know, then we have to have this conversation as far as, you know, transmission lines. That's always a very, very difficult conversation. I mean, there's a real desire to have more renewable energy, but then if that renewable energy is coming from the wind way out in Nebraska, well, you got to build those transmission yeah. lines, and of course that. that well, that's the next investment we need to make is is really uh, doubling down on our th- those those types of things. Right. right? But what we'd like to see is we'd like the real investment that's going to take place is going to be in uh, storage capacity. So if you have like you know, uh, wind turbines or you have solar rather than, you know, having that immediately put that on the transmission yeah. line, you would store Sorry, it in yep. a battery and then that battery then could, could be transported and used at another time. And, um, you know, rather than having these huge transmission lines, but again, that gets over my pay grade right. and over well, my knowledge. And the solar panels themselves, sometimes they, 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 they're said to last so long, but right. they actually don't last. Mm, that's long. the other so thing. So we need another investment in to better quality or, That's or, right. or more. Yeah, and we know. hope that these can be American, at least American, not just American research and developed, but also manufactured um, and distributed here in this country. Also, uh, why aren't we just putting all the solar panels out in wherever the desert is? Like, well, just cover the whole desert? That's And that's a fair comment. I don't know and if that, that does, destroys that, the environment of the desert, because it's not like nothing lives in the desert, right. you know, but... But it just seems to me like, oh, where do we get a right, lot of the sun? Mojave Desert, <laughs> right? Exactly. Or, or, you know, in the U.S., there's there's desert land. We could put it right. there and and run the transmission lines. I get the transmission line thing is probably well, probably and that's where you got to have a look at this battery storage and what we can yeah. do, you know, to store this stuff and then you know, uh, tap into the batteries when the when you need the electricity rather than it being instantaneous. If the sun isn't shining, well, then you know you're going to have no electricity. Um, but that's all. It's a good question. Thank you, Joe. Yeah, Joe said there's a several hundred acre operation down uh, by Platteville. It's yes. about half complete at this point. He's right. He's absolutely right. And there's an awful lot of talk in the state legislature about uh, is this the uh, is this where we're going to go as a state? And uh, again, that is an important conversation that needs to take place. And I wish we would have these conversations rather than continuing to look backwards and talk well, about replacing an election and, commissioner. And you brought it up. Part of the dilemma there is if the utility is paying more for the land than the farmers can afford or that, also, you know, like that's the, the, that's that's, the supply and demand that's, thing. Yeah, and that's really caused uh, a lot of local conversation in these we, communities. You could just make the utility a public utility where there isn't a profit <laughs> to be had there and it's all public owned. And it's, I, I, one, one state out east is doing this and yeah. the, the state is going to own. So there's not a pro- we don't need to make a profit on the electricity because that's the that's the other problem with stuff like this and water and. When, when there's a profit to be gained from, from necessities. It's a, and I'll tell you, we do have a state public service commission that oversees this. And I know that's different than public ownership, but there is a public service commission that, uh, you know, is supposed to be taking all this into consideration. But again, this is new. This is new, and, um, you know, there is uh, we'll a lot of back and forth. when they start going <laughs> against Republican <laughs> ideals. 608-785-7914, State Senator Brad Paff's in here. Um, you 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 held a news conference today, and you introduced state legislation to cap insulin prices at thirty five dollars. Would that be for everybody? Yes, uh, thirty five dollars a month, and it would only it would yes, but it would be for those that uh, have insurance that is um, through the uh, state insurance commission, through regulated through the state. So that would be for uh, individuals that uh, have um, you know state insurance. 
Um, so state employees or school teachers, okay. uh, county employees, can or those that if you purchase if you plan? purchase your insurance through a private insurance provider that is regulated by the state insurance commissioner, yes. Is that a lot of insurances? I've there, no idea. It, that it, it's some. It's not. It's it's not all. Not that I need insurance. Yeah, but it's I'm just not. Curious. Yeah, no, and that's good because I'll tell you. Um, you know, my son's a type one diabetic, and uh, you know, there's over 38 million people in this country that have diabetes, either type 1 or type 2. And there's, uh, according to the uh, American Diabetes Association, up to 8 million uh, Americans are undiagnosed. They have diabetes and they don't know it. Oh, really? And uh, it's just, you know... It's, well, federally, we did this in a way, right? Well, we did it through, again, it was done through, uh, I believe, the Inflation Reduction Act, and this would be $35 per month for insulin for those on Medicare 65 or older. Yeah, because we tried to do it for everybody. And, and that did go. The negotiation then was only for people 65 That's and older, right. which is kind of funny because it's it's a problem for, for everybody. It is. So. It's a problem for everyone. And I will say this. I mean, this is a important. This is what we can do in the state. Well, I would like to. Dilemma? What's your son's burden? Well, so my, you, I mean, does he live here in Wisconsin? Yeah, he can, lives here in Wisconsin. I mean, he must talk to you about like, man, dad, I've got to pay. So yeah, the cost. I mean, the cost. So he's, I mean, I'll. He's on my insurance right now. He's under 26, so oh, he's okay. on my insurance right now. But, no, he's going to have to go out and buy his own insurance. And the thing is is that he has a pre-existing condition. He's a, he's a type 1 diabetic. And, uh, you know, this would only be for the insulin, which can cost hundreds of dollars per month. And, um, you know, this is not for any type of, like, the pump or any of those yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, things. Um, but, um, you know, I just think that. This is what we can do as a state. We can't, I can't do anything as a state legislator when it comes to these uh, multi-state insurance plans. But for those insurance plans that are here in this state that are regulated by our state insurance commissioner. Does the state then pay off the difference? No. Because if the insurance company is going to charge $800, I don't know, $300 a month for insulin. And you're going to get capped at $35. Does the state pay the other nope. $700? Oh, how no. does that work? No, no. That, that uh, insurance company is going to have to negotiate with Johnson & Johnson, Pfizer, who, or whomever is the Merck, whoever is the maker uh, of that insulin. There's no – the state is not going to pick up that difference. The thing is this, and I made it clear in my press conference, I am all for making sure America can continue to lead when it comes to life-saving uh, medications. I think there should be a return on the investment of what these pharmaceutical companies have invested uh, as far as making this life-saving uh, drugs. But at the same time, insulin's been around over 100 years. Uh, the formula has not changed. And uh, Yeah, we, we always see the other countries pay, you know, it, it costs like $3 right. to make a vial of insulin, and then right. they charge $300 right. for it. So and, and, unlike, and unlike, you know, a prescription drug which we need to get at that price but unlike a prescription drug there's no generic insulin is insulin mm -hmm. and uh, it's not like i can negotiate a lower generic price and so i just said enough's enough i mean we're going to do 35 dollars a why month th why 35 just make it five that's, just make it five brad it's a fair that's a fair comment 35 because that's what the feds have yeah. negotiated at the uh, for medicare and it's work so we see that's we what go, i think it works at the fed level for medicare it should be able to work for the entire state of Wisconsin. that's what i think all right we're going to take a break we'll be back 
Now, this will be the song, Brad. <laughs> after the maps have been flipped. Yeah, you know, well. after we redraw the, the gerrymandered maps. Yeah. Uh, and Democrats will come out to this song across the state. No. Uh, we'll see. 608-785-7914 is talking to text line. That's State Senator Brad Paff giggling at my nonsense. <laughs> Uh, another Joe is calling in. He wanted to talk to you about this. I'll let you talk to him about sure. this insulin thing because I'm not diabetic and I don't know the burdens here. Sure. But Joe, go ahead. You're on with Brett. Yeah. Hey, thanks. Um, so um, tr- under Trump, we had lower lower insulin rates because uh, I know people that were diabetic back then, and they they had they had better costs. So the Democratic Party we have running the the country right now, and under the Democrats. Um, we have a higher cost of everything, so people need to work with their with their uh, um, their illness. And most people that I know that have diabetes don't work on their health; they just take medicine because they want to continue to eat the way that they do. And if they want to have a better lifestyle and not have to do insulin, they should work with their bodies, lose weight change their eating habits, um, and it'd be interesting to know how many people don't do that. Well, I, thank you, Joe, uh, for your comments. I appreciate it. As far as diabetes, I will say this, is that there's type 1 diabetes and there's type 2 diabetes. Um, type 1 diabetes is when your pancreas does not make insulin. So you, it does, it makes very, or it makes very little insulin. As we all know, insulin helps blood sugar enter our cells in our body for use as energy. So if your pancreas is stopped and it doesn't work, then you cannot and your body will not have blood sugar and uh, you, will, you, you will fail. So it, no matter how much I work on my body. Right. Now type 2. Now can I go to the weight room and get my pancreas no, up to there's, the there's No, there's no replacing that. Now type 2. Oh, you can't even get a, okay. Yeah, no. So type 2 is where there is, you know, what can be done in order to make sure you, uh, you know, keep yourself in shape and, or, and you can lose weight or pull yourself away from the table or do what you can in order to watch the intake of, of uh, what you're eating. Um, you know, that is, that is something that I, you know, I would highly recommend everybody do that, regardless if they have type 2 well, diabetes or not. But you if you have type 1 diabetes, your pancreas that. is stopped, and there's, there's nothing you can do about that. It's not like you can get a transplant. Um, you have to have insulin. And, um, you know, as I've mentioned in the past, uh, my son has type 1 diabetes, and, of course, Less than one percent of the uh, American public has that, and it is a—it's uh, a very, very scary, scary thing. Um, but I would never, ever not encourage someone to take care of themselves and to work out and uh, and uh, eat healthy. And as far as what the prices were during the Trump administration during versus the current administration, um, you know, I'm not aware of that for the simple reason that uh, the U.S. government just negotiated this deal uh, with. The pharmaceutical companies in regards to thirty-five dollars per month for insulin, so uh, that didn't take place until well, twenty twenty-three. The, the problem I have with with 
capping, and you said they're negotiating prices, so that's one thing. Federally, if they negotiate prices for people over 65, but they, they can make that money back on everybody 64 and under. And that's, you and know, that's, that might be a thing. And that is frustrating. Because we're doing the thing where capitalism, we need to make money on you guys. If you've got diabetes, how much money can we squeeze out of you? We could do the, the, a thing where we had health care for all, and the uh, plan that I came up with, I, I think I floated this to Tara Johnson, you don't have to think about it, health insurance, where I could just go to the doctor and I don't have to think about it. And, yeah. then, and, and that would be the, the utopia of, of, of health care. And you could work into that plan, as Joe was kind of alluding, picking on people that have diabetes in a, in a weird way. Um, you could work into that some incentives like, hey, if, you, if we're on the you don't have to think about a health care plan, universal health care plan, part of that is – you get a, a free membership to the Y or a discounted membership to whatever workout facility you want to. And if you check in three times a week, insurance yeah. plans do this a little bit. They already. do it a little bit. And I think they could do more. I, I mean, I'll give Joe the benefit of the doubt and say I think more can be done to encourage a healthy lifestyle. I, I agree with that. Um, but I also think the fact that insulin's been around over $100, uh, over 100 years, and the fact it costs hundreds of dollars, um, you know, for. Uh, for insulin, and um, you know, we've got individuals uh, uh, every month. We've got individuals that are choosing between, you know, food and and insulin. That isn't something that's healthy for anyone. And uh, again, there's a real difference between type one diabetes and type two diabetes. All right, I got a minute here, so yes. this, I'm just gonna throw this at you in one yeah. minute. Do, do you agree with the six hundred million dollars for the brewers? Mm. It's mm. not even for the brewers. Mm. It's for the stadium upgrades, which mm-hmm. we own, right? The state mm-hmm. kind of owns or the county. Yeah, I will say the following things. I'm excited as heck that the brewers are in the first place in the National League Central. I think they can win the pennant and hopefully get to the World Series. I do think a lot of negotiation still needs to take place in regards to this Milwaukee Brewer package. Uh, the way the bill was introduced uh, uh, by the, in the legislature recently, uh, I, I think it's a non-starter. I think we've got to get back to... Uh, uh, we got to rewrite that bill, and we've got to figure out what that local contribution, what that regional contribution is going to be. I've, I've floated you this already, right? Sell the stadium to a dollar to the Brewers. Right. Just ask them, hey, yeah. we'll give you the whole thing for a dollar. What do you think? And, you know, the thing is, is my, my only concern is that they give us a dollar, and they would turn around, and they would well, uh, move the state. Well, move, you, you, move put the, it, you put conditions. Right. You've got to stay here until 20. Right. 200 or something right. like that. All right, that's State Senator Brad Paff. Uh, tomorrow I'm going to talk about Oktoberfest with some – with an Oktoberfest historian, a Brad Korberg, and um, a, a festival. Do you remember who I was having? Yeah, Dave Ring. Dave, Dave Ring. They'll be in here tomorrow. Thanks, Brad. You bet.